welcome to Magical Mystical Journeys. And today we're going to be doing something a little bit more personable. We're going to be talking about some of the misconceptions about our work and what it means to embody spirituality as a human, because all of us are really on a magical, mystical journey. So today we're going to start with Andrea and talk about some of the work that she does. Andrea, as an evidential, as a psychic medium, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a psychic medium? Hello, it's Andrea. It means, let's say, Amy, you're my client. I would be reading you. I'd be reading your soul. And as a medium, then I'm reading the souls and communicating with the souls of people who have lived here on earth and have passed away. So that's Mm -hmm. in a nutshell. So Katie here, there are some people only psychics and some people only mediums. Can you separate those? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. First of all, let's just say every time we hear the word psychic, probably everybody listening to this thinks of a woman in like a big turban and a crystal ball, right? Yeah, Which if anybody me. finds a psychic like that, that has a crystal ball that works, let me know. Cause I would love, that would be fun. Psychic though, meaning human beings telepathically communicating with each other or, or with animals. All of us are psychic. There's actually science behind this. Some of us call it empathy, being an empath or just being empathetic. All of us are naturally empathetic. And so all of us are psychic to some level. And the theory behind that is that we needed to be when we lived in tribal times for our survival. So some people were psychic in terms of healing. Some people were psychic in terms of plants. Just having that relationship with the earth and what's here on the earth for the tribe's survival. So absolutely, everybody can be psychic. Mediums, all mediums are psychics. Not all psychics are mediums. So mediums that are communicating with souls who are discarnate. Okay. That's the difference. And it doesn't mean when I say not everybody, everybody can be on your development. I believe, I believe this is accessible to everyone if you're so-called, but everyone is psychic. Cool. And then you are also evidence-based. So what does that mean? Yeah. Evidence-based to me, because I'm probably the most skeptical person you're ever going to meet. To me, I needed to prove to myself the communication, the information I was getting. So evidence-based means, I'm going to go back to Amy again as my my pretend client here. If I were going to give an evidence-based reading to Amy, it means even if I'm reading her psychically or I'm reading mediumistically, everything that comes out of my mouth has to make sense to her. Let's say Amy walks in my office and I say, Amy, I, I, I have to talk to you about your relationship. And I start going into about your relationship with your spouse or whatever. You could say, yeah, that's exactly why I came in here. Yes, I'm married or this or that. So everything I'm saying, I have to be checking in with my client and making sure that it's actually factually correct in their lives. People who are not evidence-based, actually all of our podcasts are not evidence-based, right? Because we can't really prove that we're talking to this angel. We can't prove characteristics of Mother Mary or Christ. So it's equally as valuable. I mean, a lot of people who call themselves channels, I think are actually mediums and they are channeling angels. They're channeling this higher wisdom, but it's not It's not like getting in the loved one, communicating with the loved one of someone who's passed away and being able to say, yeah, that's my grandma. That's my dad. Yes, that's my child. That kind of specific specificity. And so follow up question to that. So the, when you're communicating with discarnate souls as the medium, 
part of you that can be angels or humans, or it can be any. Correct. Any discarnate soul. Discarnate, non-embodied being. Yes. Got it. All right. Yep. That was a shorter way of saying what I've <laughs> no, blah, no, blah, that's, <laughs> no, that's helpful because I can. That's great. I think. I think the the I don't know even know if it's a stereotype, but just the common understanding when we say mediumship is you're talking to dead people. Yeah, but it's not only. But it, it's not only, and in fact, there's there are a lot of people out there who are channels, but they don't want to call themselves mediums because of because they're not talking. They don't want to go down that route of doing evidence based mediumship and talking to the passed over loved ones. They really just want to channel angels or ascended other sorts of beings. Cool. Very sure. cool. Yeah. Thank you for that. I will just say one thing for me in my work. If I channel an angel or if I channel Mary or one of the folks that we've dealt with on our podcast, that being will come in for a specific reason. It will be because my client has a specific relationship with that being already. Or they're coming in, that being is coming and giving me very specific evidence of that person's life. And then it'll go into a message. So I'm still evidence-based when I'm doing individual work even if it's an angel, yeah. the evidence will just then be of that person's life. Okay. That makes sense. I get that totally. That's awesome. Yeah. Out of curiosity, what would you say some of the biggest misconceptions are that people might have? Well, one of them is the fortune telling. And I do have clients that come, when am I going to meet the man of my dreams? Or when, am, when is this going to happen? Or tell me my fortune. And that's what I can do is read the energy that's already in somebody, but predictions, we're all beings with free will and we all can make choices about our lives and whether those predictions come true or not. I can read what's already in somebody's auric field or their soul, but I'm not simply doing fortune telling. So I think that's a big misconception. A lot of people think I can see the future and some people are really afraid. They're like, do you see anything in me that's bad? And that's a second misconception. I don't see ever anything in anybody that's bad. A soul is a soul, right? A soul is a beautiful blend of all of the energies that we can even get our head around. Color, sight, sounds, experiences. Now, some of those experiences might've been traumatic, but a soul is full of beautiful energy and information. So sometimes people are reluctant to get a reading because they're afraid. They're afraid that I'm going to see a medical condition, which I'm not, you guys. I do not do any medical stuff whatsoever. I can't see it. I don't know how to see it. <laughs> it's not going to happen. But really, if it's, it's, I mean, it's not in anybody's highest and best interest to no. I mean, if you have a concern about something going on with your body, I think you need to go see a doctor or some other type of person. Don't come to a psychic. But the funny thing is, along with that, a lot of people are just hesitant to be seen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's there. It requires some vulnerability, right? Oh, it's so vulnerable. But that's the beauty in a reading. That's the beauty of like having a stranger validate something critical about your own soul. Same as with mediumship. That becomes like the most beautiful part of a reading, feeling connected with your soul and that you are seen and held in a space of love and acceptance. Well, I can imagine too that people might be afraid like you're going to tell them a secret, like if they have a secret 
or something that's never been revealed, like Andrea might see it and, and name it. That's correct. And that actually, that is a fear. That's only going to come up if that person is ready to deal with it. Yeah. It's only going to come up if they're really ready to face it and work through it in a very safe environment. And I will tell you a lot of times it comes up in relationship issues. Their secret might be, I want to leave this relationship but they can't tell anybody or their secret might be my husband has been abusing me for years and I'm not, but that's only going to come up if they're really ready to deal with it. Cool. So as, yeah, so you're not, you're not pushing people into, into choices or anything like that. No, I would never push anybody. I do get senses of sometimes what choice might be more resonant with them. What might be more of what's in the line with what their soul is trying to express The funny thing is in mediumship, let's say mom comes in. Well, if mom was very opinionated in life, mom might be very opinionated (laughs) on the other side too. So mom might have an opinion about someone's boyfriend or husband. That doesn't mean you need to listen to mom. (laughs) Uh, Well, so Andrea, tell us what does a day in your life look like when you wake up in the morning? Between when you wake up and go to bed, what do you do all day, every day? I spend a lot of time in my head, actually. (laughs) In the morning at this point, so at this point, I've done a whole bunch of classes, a lot of training, a lot of really intense years-long mentorships. So a lot of it's, a lot of it actually looks like an athlete's day, honestly. I get up in the morning, I do brain exercises. It's crazy. I do crazy, weird things (laughs) with my brain to keep my brain trained to have, think about your brain as being a file cabinet. And the more files you have in there that are clear and organized, the easier it is for any soul to come in, rifle through that file cabinet, pull out the file they need. Tell her my name is Mary, right? Or tell her she had dogs or tulips or whatever. The more my brain is fresh and sharp on certain things in life, the easier it is for that spirit to pull that file up quickly and have that come out of my mouth. So I actually spend my morning, I do certain exercises every morning. I usually only, I never, I I tend to never give more than three readings a day unless I've got uh, groups, which are a little bit different. So those readings will be one-on-one, either one in a Zoom or one on the phone or in person. We're we're finally getting back to some in-person work. I don't know what the person is wanting before they walk in the reading unless they've specifically scheduled a business reading or a relationship reading. Otherwise, they come in, they sit down, I shift my awareness over into the other dimension. I pretend like I'm going kind of up and behind my head and I'm shifting it to other areas of my room and I see what I'm feeling that comes in first. So whether it's a presence, whether it's a relative or whether that person I need to talk to them specifically about something going on in their life. And I just start talking. (laughs) Yeah. And so you'll have one-on-ones or groups in your reading. So you get up, you take care of your brain. Mm -hmm. I'm curious what these exercises are, but you can- They're wacky. (laughs) (laughs) I'm imagining you like playing Sudoku or something like that. But you know what? I also do, I meditate. Yeah. I really meditate. I cannot, it is so important, even if it's three minutes or five minutes or seven minutes. And I do a bunch of different meditations. Sometimes I sit with my soul. I just sit with myself. Sometimes I sit with my emotions and I'll play certain music designed to make me cry. 
Because I feel like if there's something in there that needs to come up that I might be shoving down, that's the time to let, and I don't necessarily get into the story of what is going on. I'll just allow myself to feel that emotion. And sometimes I sit and expand my energy and try to feel the spirit world. So that's like a critical, critical part of what I do. That's cool. Then you'll have individual clients or groups up to three a day. And how long do those last? How long do the sessions last? 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. And so a day in the life of Andrea, this is... Yeah. And then I need a break. And and somebody had asked us, do I get tired? I will get tired. My readings are only 45 minutes because I can't hold my link forever and ever and ever with my awareness somewhere else without taking a break. But I get tired talking. I never get tired working with spirit. And I bet Amy, you and Katie, both, you guys both could say the same thing. You never get tired having spiritual experiences, right? Mm -mm. I never get tired with that. I get tired of, of just the energy of the human beings, even when they're phenomenal. And I just get tired of talking. Makes sense. Speaking of our listeners, I want to take a moment to thank them for sending in their questions and just giving us some feedback and what they wanted to know about us. So one of the questions that we had come in was, how do you develop your gift and can anyone do it? Absolutely. I feel like anything you are called to do, whether it's singing or dancing or gardening or learning about metaphysics or learning about shamanism or called to spirit, if if you are feeling even the mildest interest in it, that is something that is in your heart that you are capable of doing and achieving because otherwise you're not going to experience that spark of desire at all. So if you are interested, absolutely. And I would just say, start taking a class and then see where it leads. Be open because it might lead you into healing. It might lead you into something completely different than what you thought it was going to lead you into. And the biggest things to remember is there's, I think, At first, anyway, 50% is going to be skills and knowledge, just just understanding knowledge, right? What are the chakras? What is an aura? What's the, like, the other 50% is going to be sitting with yourself and your own self-development. That's huge. That cannot be underestimated. And then later, once you have, there's only so much knowledge out there that you can get. After that, it's going to be sitting with yourself and sitting with yourself (laughs) and it's developing that sense of where is my soul versus another soul versus a guide versus an angel versus a pet versus that kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, totally. I love that. I mean, I think you two could probably relate to that as well in your work. Well, what I'm hearing Uh, is you have to practice. You have to practice. (laughs) And there's two parts to that too. Sometimes just practicing in a class. You're practicing in a supervised class or a mentorship, which I highly recommend if anybody's called to do this. And then a lot of it's you're in self-work. Staying in alignment. Yep. Yeah, completely. So how did you, like, how did you get into this to begin with as you developed your skills? But what's the backstory before you emerged as an evidential psychic medium? I've always communicated with dead people. And I mean, since I was a kid, that's never, ever gone away. I've seen, heard, felt, dreamed, like always, they've always been there. Fortunately for me, I did grow up in a family that at some point in my head, like the first person who passed away was a great aunt. And 
without going into that whole story, my family must have told me when they were explaining death, oh, she went to heaven and blah, blah, blah. She's great now, right? So I knew then when she started visiting me that that was the coolest thing ever. Aunt Lily in heaven is checking, tucking me in every night. So it's never been something scary. What's scary is then when you reach a point where you realize I'm different, not everybody sees this person here and this little girl hanging in the tree and the dog running across, like not everybody can see all of that. And honestly, the worst part for me was just how am I going to fit in with other human beings? For some reason, I went to law school and became a lawyer. (laughs) It's such an overly analytical, evidence-based career. Like the last thing anybody needed to know was that I could see dead people. Because they would have thought I was crazy and I wouldn't have had clients, right? (laughs) Where's your credibility? So that being said, though, just because I've always been aware of that, that's certainly in my human life come and gone. And the more I ignored it, the higher my anxiety rate went up. That's how I knew I needed to do something with it and I needed to get a teacher. And I spent years Googling for a teacher. And obviously the student wasn't ready because the teacher did not show up (laughs) until Mm -hmm. I was ready. But just because that was my experience, there are so many working, wonderful, evidence-based psychics, mediums, healers out there that lived a completely normal life and woke up one day like on a different planet. And they suddenly had that spiritual awakening that where, why have I been asleep my whole life? So I feel like everybody's path is completely different. Yeah. There's no one size fits all. No, not at all. Well, so you were getting the training while you were still an attorney or practicing attorney. <laughs> You're never not an attorney, I guess. Like you, you have the degree. But. <laughs> I'm not a degree. Yeah. I was doing intuitive work and I was working with everybody around me outside of my law practice were healers which obviously I needed a lot of healing. (laughs) (laughs) And they were healers of all different levels, but they were all grounded. They had all had like their own, their own path. And I couldn't see myself in their path, but that's what I needed at that time. I needed to be going to people who did energy work and Reiki and just different types of counseling and therapy, that kind of self-work before the psychics and mediums started showing up. So it was really about developing your intuition. I will tell you this too. Any lawyer is incredibly intuitive because people lie to you all day, every day. Your right. clients lie to you. The witnesses lie to you. The other side's <laughs> lying to you. And over time, you just start to know they're lying. Yeah. <laughs> so there was a lot of intuitive development in just being a lawyer. Your spidey senses come alive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes That's sense. That's true for so many professions though, right? Oh, our right. nurses yeah. and our healthcare workers and anybody who's in a counseling position. Yeah, you the bullshit meter has to be yes, yeah, active and attuned, and so doing this intuitive yeah. work can only help. Yes, and I have to mention just because I know about it. Before all of that, there was a ballet, there's a yeah. ballerina in you, right? I was a ballerina. Yes, and so one of our listeners asked actually, how does any of that play into today? As a dancer, I'm really in touch with my body. And I know that spirit can use my body to communicate because I really know my body from the inside out. So spirit can send me like a little pang or something. And I know then that's like some evidence. Movement to me is really important. As a lawyer, I learned to be very analytical. I learned how to speak 
actually as a dancer, I didn't know. I was always afraid to talk. It was a silent art. So I was hiding. As a lawyer, I learned how to talk and I learned how to uh, counsel clients because nobody goes to a lawyer for fun. Right. Like they're only going to go to a lawyer and particularly the type of work I did. You're only going to go to a lawyer if you're cooking in the soup. <laughs> right. So I learned how to counsel clients who are in extreme agitated state or their whole world was getting ready to be upside down. And that goes really nicely into what I do now because most of what I do are folks in extreme loss. I, I, most of my clients have experienced extraordinary grief. And for me to be able to hold that energy and not get bogged down by it, I think is one of my gifts. And it's one of the greatest things I can give to clients. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, go ahead. Such an important point. Like I love how all these pieces of your life, that is the training to become who you are today. Like they're all necessary parts. So there might be our listeners out there that might be in a certain job right now that may not be exactly what they want to be doing with their life, but in some way, shape or form, it is there to serve for whatever that next level is. You nailed it. You nailed it. My teacher says the exact same thing. My mentor says, spirit grooms us. And you don't know why, but we're being groomed for our higher purpose. Yep. Totally. And I think like in relationships too, when I look back on some relationships, even if they were toxic or ended ended poorly, I know what they've all taught me something. Absolutely. This is not encouragement for anyone to stay in a bad relationship. Don't. Right. (laughs) But from those bad relationships, we also learn and grow. And that's a great empowering way to look at those traumas we've experienced in our lives rather than being victims of them. Yeah. What is it here showing us? What is it showing us? us? And usually in my experience, (laughs) by the time it shows up and you realize, oh my gosh, that's toxic. Oh my gosh, I can't handle this anymore. Like you leave. You're ready ready. ready to go by the time it finally hits you and you're like... Yeah, exactly. Well, so you've given a few indications about the potential answer to this next question. This came from a a listener as well. How do you identify that you're receiving a message from the spirit world, whether it's a um, deceased person or an angel or another benevolent being, ascended master? How do you distinguish that like from your own voice, from your own imagination? That's one of the first things you learn when you start practicing, actually, once you've gotten sort of the basic knowledge down, that's one of the first things you learn. And the way you learn it is you sit with your own soul. You sit with your own soul because a lot of times people start feeling another energy body and it's actually the first time they're feeling their own auric field. It's their own, it's, it's our own soul that we're feeling. It's our own aura that we're feeling which is so magical, but we can be like, ah, what, <laughs> what is that? It's like, oh, it's yourself. That's you. And so people misinterpret that as, <laughs> as another something being. other, as okay. another being, but it's practice. And you can see when people are just starting out, you can feel it when they've lost the link. You can feel like there's a link gone and now they're talking to themselves because they're starting to talk about their own stuff, their own life, their own relationships. Their own, even though those will be frames of reference, their own experiences will be frames of reference going forward. You can feel that difference between getting it from another being versus getting it from yourself. And I will tell you, it's just like anything else. The the more you do it, the more experience you have at it, the clearer those subtle, subtle energies become 
they become louder and more glaring where it's unmistakable. It's like somebody, a physical human being has walked into the room. It's that clear to me at this point. Amazing. It's practice. It's practice. Like everything else. And getting to know, I mean, I'm assuming sort of getting to know what Metatron feels like to you. Right. Or Mother Mary or whomever. Or grandmothers or mothers. And and Mm. that's different for everybody too. Right? Because everybody's got a different relationship with their own mother and father and granddad. So they might start getting a certain type of mom in every time because their mom was like that. But to feel like, what does a mom being in the presence of somebody's mom feel like? What is the presence of a baby who's passed away? A child, this, that, all of that. And then the other evidence gets layered on top of that. What does it feel like to me to be with a soul who passed of cancer? What does it feel like to me to be with a soul who passed suddenly? Wow. So all of that just gets layered and it's all practice. I thought of an analogy. I'll just throw it out there. Of a jazz musician. So I love the piano. I'm not a good player, but I took lessons when I was little and I tried and I tried and I tried. And I can't imagine like having such, such uh, command over the piano keyboard that you can then play jazz, which is improvising. And then you're in a group in a band and all the jazz players are kind of going off each other. Like, it's brilliant. And I think that's what spirit communication is like, whether it's psychic or mediumship. It's getting such a command over the subtle energies that you start dancing and playing with the spirit world. And then the information just gets quicker and smoother, like a good jazz ensemble. Yeah, being in that That flow. Yeah, that makes sense. Can you turn it off? Like, is it something that's always there or like? Yes, I don't want to turn it off. It's funny. A radio show host asked me that the other day, actually, because he was like, oh my gosh, you have to be awake all the time. Like I do. That's true. But I want to be, I want to be awake. I don't necessarily want to be communicating an active communication with the spirit world all the time. I do want to save that energy for when I'm in front of a client. But am I always aware of the spirit world? Yes. And I want to be, but I also don't want to practice spiritual escapism. I want to live here on earth, but be aware if they're sending me signs or signals or any messages. I certainly want to be aware of that relationship I have with them. I'm thinking of the show Medium with Patricia Arquette that was on, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago or something. And the the, the presentation of that show is like, she walks into a hospital and just sees hundred deceased people that died yeah. in that hospital right then and there. She can't choose not to see it. And is it like that? Is that an exaggeration? Can you, if you're at a restaurant, can you choose not to read your wait staff? Of course. I'm not going to read any human being. They're going to have to book an appointment and get in front of me for okay, that. Okay. So I mean, not that's just no. mirage. <laughs> no, correct. But I do want to be open to just the general energy. I honestly, though, I have a really hard time with hospitals. Yeah, There's okay. just a lot of energy in a house, a lot, a lot, a lot of real high energy. And the smell, the psychic smells of all the illnesses are overwhelming to me. Absolutely overwhelming. And I, so, but that is something I just take in. Like a lot of our empaths will probably understand. You can just take it in and let it flow through, let it flow through, get, get let it go and save yeah. the actual reading, which is the spirit, the communication of the evidence save that until I'm with a client. And I'll tell you, nobody has permission to read anybody else without someone else's permission. That doesn't mean sometimes you don't get something pinging at you, but you just have to let it, let it go right through you. 
Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So this question came in. I think this is a fantastic question. Are there different levels of soul vibrations and do they reflect one's human life vibration after they pass? Yeah, I think that's fascinating. The author, Michael Singer, who some of you might be familiar with, he broke this down in such a great way for me once. He said, think about, in terms of understanding energy vibration, think about a snake and now think about a butterfly. And there's something inside you that'll instinctively react. It's nothing against snakes and nothing for butterflies. I'm just saying there's instinctively, we react differently to a butterfly than we would a snake because they're vibrating differently. They just vibrate really differently. Humans, it's the same thing. When we're vibrating likey-likey with somebody, we're going to really be drawn to that person and be like, oh, we're on the same wavelength. We say that we're on the same wavelength. And to take it further, there is a concept that our energy vibrates higher at certain times, faster, I should say, at certain times than others. And that we need to get that energy vibration up in order to have clear psychic communication. And we have to get it up even further to have clear mediumistic communication. So we can't always keep that energy vibrating at a certain level the whole time. But there is a concept that we're all vibrating at different speeds and different ways. But I want to be clear to indicate there's no judgment behind any of that. If someone's in a low vibration, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. It might just mean they're sad that day or that they're needing to deal with some heavy emotional issues or maybe they're feeling sick, something like that. There's no judgment in different ways of vibrating and, and speeds, but there is that concept out there. And with souls, in my experience, souls, I guess it's all vibrational, but souls have their own experiences that they're wanting to communicate, whatever their experiences in life were. So their souls are hanging on to the vibration of those experiences. That doesn't mean they get stuck there. It's just like their soul memories. But also in my experience, souls, once they've passed over, are infinitely wise. They have an infinite perspective on things that even though they might not have had in life, like you might get somebody's parent or ancestor that shows up in a reading and even that soul say, boy, I didn't believe in this stuff in life. Right. Because people be like, there's no way my granddad, like he wasn't religious or he was, didn't believe in anything. And here he is coming through. So that's funny. Is there anything else that you'd like to add that maybe you've had other questions from other people in the past that feels important just to share with our listeners? I think we've covered everything. We had such great questions. I would just invite, if anybody feels called, please reach out to me. Please work with me if you feel so called. I just love really connecting one-on-one with people or even in small groups and connecting people with their souls. That journey, connecting our human with our soul, connecting our physicality with our emotional body, our spiritual body is the magical mystical journey. Yeah. Mm. It's beautiful. So how can they reach you? Like if someone does want to, you know, connect with you and work with you, maybe they want a reading, like what's best? Best way is my website. Although anybody can email us through here or get in touch with us through the magical mystical journeys. But my website is andreasaintamon.com and that's all spelled out. It's A-N-D-R-E-A-S-A-I-N-T-A-M-A-N-D.com. 
Mm. And of course, magical mystical journeys at gmail.com is how they can email us yeah. as well. Yep. So and awesome. Andrea, I do have one final question. So you, yeah. you've broken the stereotype of mediums from the crystal ball draped, but do you have an outfit? Do you have an outfit where you can dress up like that if you want? I have all <laughs> kind of outfits. I do have a crystal ball. I have a crystal ball, but I will tell you, I had my crystal ball on the windowsill. It was so beautiful. And then I realized it was getting like direct sunlight in the morning before I opened the drapes and it burned a hole in my drapes. <gasps> Oh, no. The dangers <laughs> my, of the spiritual life, y'all, right here. <laughs> my husband was like, you could have burned the house down with that crystal ball. <laughs> oh, that's fine. But the crystal ball is safe. The curtains are The history. crystal ball is safe. Okay. It's just a little, it's just a little, I have these gorgeous black velvet curtains. So it's just a little. <laughs> a little singe a little in there. Okay. A little singe. <laughs> Well, listeners, thank you so much for joining us. By all means, feel free to rate us. Katie, would you like to share how else they can get in touch with us? Yeah. So you have our email, magicalmysticaljourneys at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram, so you can search for us there. We've got a Facebook page. We love to have lots of comments and activity on the Facebook page, so you can follow us there. And our website is magical-mystical-journeys.com. I just want to say one more thing because this comes up a lot with Katie's clients. I know, where do I go? How do I even get started if I'm interested in developing my own skills? So reach out to me on that. I think Katie and I both and Amy, we all have a list of resources now of good books and people we would turn you to. Katie's got a beginner class on the knowledge. I've got a beginner class, but we've got resources for you guys out there if you're not feeling connected with that, or if you're already beyond that and you're like, what's my next thing? So definitely reach out and we can point you in the right direction. You can see what feels right for you. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for clearing up some of the misconceptions out there and just speaking a little bit more into how as an individual embodying what it means to be to that spirituality. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you all for listening, tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.